What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Bridge IE. I am your host, Tam Lorraine. I am happy you can be here with me today. I hope you are happy, healthy, and most importantly, I hope you know that you are loved. We've talked to some very prominent people in my life um, thus far, and I love them dearly, but none can compare to this next guest that I'm speaking with today. She's the pillar of my family, the rock, the glue, the realist that keeps us all grounded, and the only person I know to do life as gracefully as she does. I'm talking about my mama. Ms. Beverly Michelle herself is here with me today, and while she's all these things to me and my siblings, I grew and came to realize that my mom was a whole woman before I even came into this world. So I'm excited to sit down with her and let her share a little bit of who she is with you today. And I hope you're excited too. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, as promised, I am sitting across from the beautiful, the lovely, the graceful, Anything else that I can pour on think really quick? I'm sitting across from my mother, Miss Beverly Michelle Herring. No, I keep it coming. Um, you guys, uh, this is a disclaimer. My mother is very to herself. <laughs> so I am very excited that she has allowed me to sit here and converse with her on some things that may be touchy, but <laughs> we are here at the bridge and we are going to continue those hard conversations as we feel and believe together, it brings us closer. I'm going to have to disagree with you at the top of the hour. <laughs> I am not to myself. Okay. I, don't, I don't think I am anyways. Okay. She's a little bit, I will say this, you guys, I spoke with, if you listen to the episode that I did with my father. Um, my, my father's a lot more out there than she is. So she reserves the right to be professional and think before her actions, <laughs> unlike him. Okay. I agree with that. See, I, I knew I was going to get her there. I knew I, I was going to. I am reserved. <laughs> correct. And it's, it's part of the reason why we all admire and love you because of that reservation and that just wisdom that you exude. It just comes out of your pores. Mm. My goodness, <laughs> it's beautiful. So how are you? How have you been? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, you know, we, I do, um, we check in mm-hmm. uh, when we, I get together uh, every Tuesday with the women mm-hmm. uh, from our church. Some are not members of the church, but um, we get together and we do a check-in. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I ask them on a scale of one to five, five being great. How are you? Um, I would say today I'm a four. I was leave room for improvement for, mm-hmm. for better. So, so you I'm said gonna, a four. I'm checking in at a four. Checking in at a four. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And and so people can kind of know, can you tell them where you are in life right now? What is it that you do professionally? Um, what is it that you're currently working? Give us a little bit of where you are now. Okay. Wow. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I am currently I work with the school district, the local school district, Valverde Unified. I have been um, with Valverde for 13 years. Wow. 13, going on 14 years. And um, so that is what I do as a professional. I am in the counseling department. I am a rising counselor. Hey. I like to call myself because I am also currently in um, the professional school counselor program with uh, 
at Cal Baptist University. Woo woo. So I am in my second year, almost Dang. halfway. I'm halfway. You are. Yeah. That went by fast. Yeah. I know. And it's it's very hard, you guys. I don't know what I'm doing. I, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I think I was going through a midlife crisis, but... Uh, <laughs> well, the midlife crisis got you here, so yeah. So, um, so it's it's very challenging. I take my hats off to everybody who um, pursued and achieved higher education. Um, it's really, it, you know, especially at this time in my life, it's it's uh, it's a real challenge, mm -hmm. you know. But I love it. I, I not that I love challenges so much, but I love learning. Yeah. I, I will saw, say that about you. Yeah. I, I'm going to be a lifelong learner, whether I'm in any program or if I go to another level. I, I just love learning. I really do. But I think that's a brilliant place because to be in in life and like like that perception because a lot of people don't like learning in the sense that even just from like life lessons, they just don't like learning. Cause sometimes learning, like you said, brings about challenges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting how that all works, but that's really good. I'm like, if you don't know, I'm proud of you. For some reason, I like to tell her that she likes to be in school when I am. Um, for study buddies. Yeah. When I graduated from high school, she decided to go back. Like before I graduated from high school, rather, she decided to go back. Like I think my junior year or sophomore year. Or something like that. No. No, maybe way before. No, no, no. I had been in school for a long time. Okay, there we go. Maybe I just paid I was, attention. I, this is when I just started paying attention to what my mom was doing. Right. <laughs> I just started wrapping it up. And uh, it turns out that um, by that time, you were in high school. You were a senior in high school. Set I had to graduate in 2012. Right. And so I was, I was finishing up. And uh, I had to hurry up because I was taking my time. Um, you know, I, I was wasn't under any pressure. It was something totally, it was just a, um, a milestone for me, something that I needed to complete and do uh, a goal that I had. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my kids, you know, a couple of them were in college and they were about to lap me. So like, <laughs> hurry up. So I said, I got to get out of here. That was because going back. Yes. She was y'all. She got five kids. Wow. Children. Sorry. Correct me. She got five children. She has five children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she has five children. She was working and she was going to school and yep. being mom and first being lady. wife and being first lady and doing all that. And she was going to school. She was chipping away at her bachelor's degree and she happened to graduate the same year that I graduated. I think her graduation was maybe like a couple weeks before mine. Because she she crossed mm -hmm. over first, <laughs> she crossed over first, and then I was like, "I'm next, like my turn." But now, fast forward, she went into school while I was in school. While while we don't graduate on the same time frame, she's still set to graduate with her master's in science and professional counseling. That's right, <laughs> and that's cool. Hats up to you. And we're both Lancers. Yes, we both attend. Shout out to Cal Baptist University, our local uh, IE uh, university. I, Cal Baptist is really an amazing school. I 
I mean, they're costly, <laughs> but I think it's, it's worth, worth it, it because yeah, every, I, don't you find every time you go or you like attend some type of, even if, you know how we, is information ses- sessions are usually boring? Like they, do you just feel like, uh, why do I have to, you guys are just telling me information. Like this is when I attend any information session or attend any type of thing related to Cal Baptist, I usually always am excited. Like, oh, I'm like glowing. Do you ever have that effect whenever you attend something for Cal Baptist? I do. And I haven't attended much, but yes, I can say, I know what you're saying though, because every, every event is so spiritual. Like they're, it, it's a uh, Christian college, a Christian mm-hmm. university, and you, they are unapologetically Christian. Yeah, they say biblically rooted. Yes. And, and I feel the, that energy, like good vibes and the, you know, the things that matter mm-hmm. to a Christian. Yeah. And so I, I feel that connection, they speak to my spirit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that even through a lesson, mm-hmm. well, we pray before class. I love that. Mm-hmm. We have, um, life conversations. We talk about current issues as much as possible without, you know, because, yeah, you know, without crossing over into, right. You know, there's a certain the etiquette, territory, but, um, but you know, my professors all pray before class. I, I love it. Yeah. I that's because really you need it. it. Cause they know they be giving you assignments that are <laughs> just through this world talking about 10 sources and <laughs> research this and they know what they are doing. They know you need <laughs> prayer in those moments, Absolutely. but that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to make that decision. I remember you were almost getting cold feet to do it, and you were like, "No, why? Yeah. Why am I doing this?" And yeah. I, and I, I'm glad you sought to push through. And- you, <clears throat> you know, um, the reason why is because I mean, it's a, it's a good reason. It just, you know, I am a procrastinator, but um, more than that, uh, well, that's a lot, but. <laughs> Um, I think more than that, though, seriously, is because really I I wanted to do another program, mm-hmm. um, which is you know um, things have changed, laws have changed, requirements and and so forth, and um, being in the ministry really influenced me um, to to do something that I feel like I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. um, and that is working with families, and so I initially. Um, wanted to do the uh, marriage family therapy program, MFT program. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But at this, um, where I am now in life, uh, I think that program, um, I still, you know, I will pursue that and just in another way, Mm -hmm. um, because I still want to work with families. But that program itself is a little more rigorous in the sense that you have to do so many hours after you complete my life. Ain't nobody got time for that right now, y'all. Right, basically. <laughs> nobody got time for that. But my passion, my passion is is really working with families. I love um encouraging uh I think I mean I know one of my gifts is uh, I have the gift of encouragement, discernment. Me and my husband both let's are pause on that discernment. <laughs> you you can't pull a fast one on my mother. <laughs> And that's that's speaking from the child's perspective, because she will look right through you and see it all up in your eyes and in your heart. <laughs> that mess right there is real. It's a real gift, y'all. It's a real gift. It really is. It's, but it's a hard gift too. People think that, oh, it's like one to be desired, but it's it's a hard gift. You know, your dad told me many years ago that he knows I have that gift. And he said that um the thing is God shows you things sometimes. 
in advance and you can't, they're not for you to share out. Ooh. And, um, and a lot of times it's not, you don't have to, you, sometimes you don't even have to move on them or speak on them. They, just some things that God reveals to you or shows you. And he said, and you have a hard time, you know, handling that. And I was like, yeah, because I think everything God shows me, I need to speak you gotta on it. You got to speak or, on it. Yeah. That's like holding water that God gave you. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holding water that God gave you. Mm, you mm. deep. You kind of deep on the day. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. It just, you know, it just came on me. But that's uh it's it's inspiring nonetheless to see you continue to advance in education and then to continue to see that as you do all the other things that you do. And it's just like can we just throw my mom a block party just because because the day-to-day in your <laughs> life especially when we were younger now you know it's which is, i think we get to a little bit more later but now it's, it's it's interesting to see the time that you have for yourself and how you're going about using it and so with that that little check-in that we just did um <laughs> uh, i i have to take it back I have to take it back because I want, um, and this is just me. Um, it could just be me. I want to give you an opportunity to share you and who you are. I think in bits and pieces, we get to know the woman behind Pastor Mike and Coach Herring in bits and pieces in part. And where you have little little moments where you can share your story. And kind of people can put the puzzle pieces together if they don't forget some, because that's how often it comes about. <laughs> so I just wanted you <clears throat> to first um, tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood and uh, what it was like growing up for you um, in your element and in your lane, because it is very different than that of my father's, which I mm-hmm. always think is beautiful. So go ahead and share. Okay, so um, my childhood, um, I <clears throat> was, um, my mom had me when she was a young, she was a, a teen mother, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and she was married early because of that. What they call that? Uh, you don't know nothing about that. Yeah! <laughs> uh, a shotgun wedding is what they called it, but mm-hmm. yeah, so... Um, that's how they did back in the day, you know, so she mm-hmm. married young, um, <clears throat> and she had my sister, um, and I don't mean to tell her story, but, um, this is just bringing us up to, um, uh, me basically, um, being raised, you know, that didn't work because of all the reasons, but, mm-hmm. um, I was basically raised by a single mother, mm-hmm. um, up until I was around 10 years old mm. and we moved um, to from Mississippi to California. Well, we moved back and forth. So she moved from Mississippi. We moved to California. Um, she came back to Mississippi and then we left again for um, the last time. So I've been in California since I was 10 years old. Um, and then around 13, I want to say 14, maybe, um, my mom remarried mm-hmm. and um, then I was blessed to be a part of a blended family. Um, the best experience um, 
in my life. Well, one of the best experiences in my life because, um, you know, your, your life experiences, um, have everything to do with who you become, who you Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, they shape you. And, and although it was hard, it was challenging, it was challenging, you know, uh, not having, not knowing who my biological father was. Um, but I was also, God is so good. Uh, you know, he recovered mm-hmm. uh, us, if you would. And I was able to um, eventually have a father figure in my life, that being um, the late Eddie Faber Sr., mm-hmm. who um, essentially raised me. Um, Shout out to Papa. Yes. <laughs> um he would be so happy to know that the Lakers and the Dodgers both won. (laughs) Yes. He was a big LA fan. Yes. So, but yeah, I was, um, you know, raised in a blended family. Um, that's where a lot of my childhood memories were established. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's where we did a lot of growing Mm -hmm. as people, you know, growing individually, growing as a family. Um, because it's, it's, it's hard work and it's tough and, you know, uh, being in a blended family, but you learn so much. You learn how to share, you learn how to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and you learn how to come together and and what unity is. And um, so, I really I'm glad for that experience, for that opportunity, for that blessing. You know, it's not by that time. Um, my mom had four children though when she remarried and so mm-hmm. I just feel really blessed because you don't see that so Mima had four children and then Papa married her mm-hmm. y'all hear that yeah Mima had four children <laughs> Mima is my mom <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry Mima is her mama and, and she had four children and Papa my grandfather yes married her and took in four children amazing that weren't um, his he, he was an amazing man and i want to also you know take this opportunity to do this publicly i want to thank my my siblings for sharing their father um because that's tough too mm-hmm. you know to shout out to auntie yeah Trina. it's and tough Boone. but so so all of that all my childhood experiences and i can't remember a lot of things from my early childhood unlike your dad who <laughs> seems to remember everything i don't know how he does it but some of it um, i might have to fact I feel like- check i might need daniel <laughs> from cnn to come on and like <laughs> that is simply not true <laughs> Right. I mean, bless his heart. He has, a, you know, an amazing memory. I just don't, I just, you know, there are a lot of things that I don't remember. Just, you know, um, I do remember uh, living in the South mm-hmm. and I remember um, like the racial tensions that mm-hmm. we see currently going on. I mean, my mom, my grandparents, they were right in the epicenter, if you would. They were in Mississippi. Right. And I remember... Uh, the stories when my mom, the times when my mom would come home with my grandmother, she would pick my grandmother up from work and come home and, and she, they had been, you know, arguing, fussing at her the whole ride home, mm-hmm. uh, which now is probably about five or 10 minutes, but, <laughs> but they had been having this discussion on the way home. And when they would get home, I remember them coming in and my, this one time in particular, I remember my mom saying to my grandmother, you look her that girl in her eyes when you talk to her. Mm-hmm. She's younger than I am. She said, you ain't got to look away when you talk to her. And um, because my grandmother, it was embedded in her 
you know, being in the South, mm-hmm. you don't look, you know, white people in the eye mm-hmm. when you speak to them. It was, it was considered disrespectful. Crazy. And so that was embedded in them. And um, so my mom, you know, my mom, Mima, she is, she's a rebel. Very outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> she's, you know, and so she was. She's your to- Nat Turner. <laughs> <laughs> kin spirits yeah. yeah she she didn't like that but i remember that tension you know that what you know what they were going through at that time so it's very interesting fast forward you know um 40 something years later and here we are and you know experiencing the kind of tensions um that we have today now i i just brought that out because that's what i remember that's one of those vivid memories from my childhood yeah (laughs) that i i will carry with me forever um and there are some others but um but i can't remember too much about my childhood um Mm -hmm. the early part of it but i do remember um all the experiences uh you know once we we became a family that Mm -hmm. blended family that i i mentioned um, stories about you and honestly if we're being honest it's always refreshing to hear my mom's stories versus my dad's because I've I hear my dad's all the time like <laughs> all the time yeah. so learning about your childhood and then picking getting able being able to ask you questions about it even right now is uh, pretty cool pretty fun and I would have to say that uh having a mom from Mississippi for the first 10 years of her life it's definitely you see the it's like a she sometimes a southern draw will come out every once in a while it's it sneaks out (laughs) um my Mima's draw is very very heavy so it's it's cool to have that different cultural makeup of course I'm Cali bred it's it's like uh it's like a Idris Elba type of experience where you can turn it on and turn it off like I'm very relaxed normally at home and so I don't hide that but for whatever reason um, I just, you know, I, I've always tried to disguise it and every now and then somebody will say, where are you from? And then when they say that, I know, oh Lord, they heard the Southern draw. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that- you know what? When I hear myself, like, so when we go back, I may even hear myself. I, I yeah. actually hate to hear myself. <laughs> that was recording. Man. And, and so that was, I, you touched on it a little bit earlier because, um, I have a friend, I have several friends actually who, um, who've grown up you know, without their biological father in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, in the in the thick of talking about community and revamping community and making it something that's not taboo anymore, connecting rather than, you know, the whole social media disconnection that we've come, come to, um, I think that that father figure is very, uh, it's a very big deal. When you talk about community, I don't think you can really talk about community without going into the home mm-hmm. and figuring out what's what. Right. And so you mentioned that you uh, were not raised by your biological father. And just because I know I have friends who have that share that same experience. Um, can you speak to that and what that was what that was like? I mean, we know what it could be like, but for you, what was it? What was it like for you? You know, it's interesting that you say what it was like, because sometimes I still, I, I feel like I still deal with it mm-hmm. um, uh, in the absence of my, my, my dear stepfather now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, 
let's go back. So when I was younger, um, I didn't realize it until you get older and you look back and, and, you know, after going through my, my bachelor's program, uh, which was psychology and understanding, you know, the mind behavior and all that, I realized that it affected me in ways, um, that manifested later on. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes with, um, children, uh, who don't have their father for whatever reason, um, sometimes it affects them immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, you know, in, in, it manifests in their behavior, you know, withdrawal or, you know, however. Um, and then for others like myself, I think it, it, um, it will manifest later on. So I, but one of the things um, I do believe I had, and I say this because I compared um, the relationship with your father and his, our children to, mm -hmm. you know, me and not when my father was absent. Um, you, I had insecurities. Um, I had low, very low self-esteem. Um you know, just was not a confident young woman, mm -hmm. a young girl. And, um, and I didn't necessarily know why, just, you know, you think that's your personality or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I grew up like that. And I, and I compare, I look at the relationship that you and your sister had with your, with your father. And there was a lot of, um, affirmation, um, affirming going on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, um, you had security, you know, so I think that all contributes to your confidence, your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I, that part was missing for me. And so going into, um, adolescent, um, I still had those insecurities mm -hmm. and, um, low self-esteem for a right. very long time, all the way up until high school, to be honest. Right. And, um, I truly, think that that had a, a lot to do with it, even though by this time my stepfather was present, but um, you just, there's, there's a part of you that you really don't know who mm -hmm. you are and you kind of, you do want to tap into it, but I didn't realize all this. Of course I was too young. Right. Um, but like you, maybe there has a connection, but yeah. not really. I didn't think about it in, in the, the, the way I'm speaking of it now. I didn't think yeah. about it back then, but you know, and I, I think, because that happens when I look at the relationship with my, I have with my sister, a lot of things that come to me now where I can look back and say, oh, that's what that was, or that's what was mm -hmm. manifesting when I said this or when that happened. But not knowing in that moment, like, you're 10. Like, you mm -hmm. have an adolescent mind. You don't know <laughs> what is going on. Right. And so that's kind of where I could see some resemblance in having that feeling. But to unfortunately, I mean, I won't say that they're is because I do believe that there's a lot more fathers trying to be in the lives of their kids oh, today. Absolutely. And the narrative has definitely changed, especially surrounding right. black men. Thank you. I wanted to say that but because, yeah. because we don't all, that used to be the narrative. Mm -hmm. And, and it's still, you know, there are some that are not to know, say that it's not still happening. The but. thing about it is that more fathers are raising their children, even if they are not in the home, mm -hmm. they are supporting their children they are involved in their lives they are you know not just financially they are you know and and we have uh made adjustments and right. we, we you know we co-parent mm -hmm. uh today and uh, for the 
we think about the children more than ourselves. And so you see a lot of that. So yes, I'm so glad you brought that out because that narrative has changed, is mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And hats off to all y'all doing the thing. Yes. Doing the thing. And that's good. I, I wanted you to touch on that for our listeners because um, to give them a sense of what your lens has been throughout mm-hmm. your life and mm-hmm. how you've, um, where it, where it stems from. Mm-hmm. to just touch on that and speak on that. So I appreciate you for going into that and sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take a quick break, you guys, but we'll be right back with more with my mom, Bevmo, as I like to call her. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. More with Michelle when we get back from this break. Your vote matters. My vote matters. Our vote matters. To register to vote, visit whenweallvote.org. Okay, ladies and gents, we're back. Back better than ever. I love saying that. I'm trying to work on my phrases and my slogans, Mom. (laughs) But we're back with my mom, Beverly. Uh, She goes by Beverly or Michelle, which is interesting. What's the difference with that? Why why do you do that? (laughs) Okay, so. (laughs) What's the alter ego? As as my sister would say, Beverly is my government name. (laughs) Um, And that's my professional name, I guess you could say. I I never, um, like in school, work, I've always just gone by my proper name, which Mm -hmm. is Beverly. And um, family, friends, they call me Michelle. Mm-hmm. So it just depends what circle you're in. <laughs> so let me put you on notice now. If you are calling her Beverly, <laughs> you may be putting it. No, I'm kidding. But for for I can understand this. For me, I call her Beverly when she's not listening to me and I need her attention like ASAP. So I call her Beverly. Mm-hmm. And mom, any other time. I mean, I've always been Beverly at school i never yeah. changed you know i never said oh I'm, i never introduced at school i introduced myself as beverly at work i introduced myself as beverly but mm-hmm. my nickname was shell and so when i went to high school by the time i got to high school and it was me and my sisters you know i had to put a little something on shell so i was like that's my nickname so let's yeah. say michelle yeah and so i became both um Very i go by both i answer to both i'm comfortable comfortable with both so yeah that's cool I, I didn't I didn't embrace my middle name until I was like twenty, <laughs> but um, sidebar that's a sidebar. <laughs> I I definitely want to get your perspective from. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on in this world, like a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. And I know you being mom and you just being you, it's like heavy on your heart. Uh, <laughs> so, in getting that, I you spoke to the fact that you work within the school district and um, you've seen some you know you've seen some different things in your professional life uh from anywhere from foster care um situations to you know what you see with your students now um how are you how are you seeing you know the school district and the things that is that are going on in your professional life um how have they been impacted and how have they changed since you know this year and since you know you've been working with families for so long Mm. um well, um, where I am now, um, well, actually, when I started, uh, even in elementary school, uh, it was it was a hard transition because uh, being 
involved as a parent, Mm -hmm. you know, being involved on on parent organizations and just, you know, being there when your children are in school. Yeah. uh, As a parent is a totally, a totally different experience uh, than being an employee. So it was hard for me to make a transition. Uh, I had to change my mindset because initially uh, when I started working with the school district, I, I would hear how the office staff, the teachers talked about parents. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time with that because I was like, oh my God, this is me. Like, you know, um, but after working, you know, there are a few years that I, I understood, you know, your language changes, your perspective uh, changes and your perception. So, um, but initially crossing over, if you would, from parent to employee, right. um, in the same district that your kids attended, it was, it was a little challenging at first. Um, but I'm glad that I, uh, have been in the school district. I have gotten to understand education. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and where I am now, uh, I'm at the high school and I work with high school students. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, uh, work with parents as much mm-hmm. as I did early on, but I definitely, you, you see all the dynamic, the family dynamics that you hear about that, mm-hmm. that teachers talk about, you see it. And, um, it's pretty sobering as, uh, and on many occasions it's pretty sad, mm-hmm. um, seeing some of the things that the, the students are going through, the families are going through. And it, it probably, um, touches uh, that part of me that really wants to reach out to families, want to help families and everything. So I see everything. And, yeah. and um, I think I really, it, it really uh, makes me even more passionate and compassionate about what I'm doing mm-hmm. um, because um, families are, you know, they're in trouble. They need help. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm a Christian. So mm-hmm. a lot of, on a lot of cases, like, like they need Jesus, they right, just need right, Jesus, right. you know, and, but I do get to pray. I've prayed with students. I've prayed with beautiful. Um, my coworkers. Um, and that's sometimes hard because to know like when it's okay to go there and mm-hmm. when it's not, but, and you know what, um, for the most part, a lot of times I don't, you know, I don't get to do that often. Yeah. Um, but I have done and have prayed with students. Um, but just connecting and and being another uh, support mm-hmm. in their life, another adult support system yeah. in their life, it, it, it means a lot to the students and it means a lot to me. Sometimes, you know, of course, now with the climate that we're in with COVID and all that, things will change mm-hmm. going forward. But I used to hug students and um, students would come and see me when they couldn't see their counselor and yeah. they, they would cry and we just, you know, would talk. And so I really like that uh, where God has placed me um, being able to connect with these students because, I mean, ooh, we we you know people just need Jesus. Mm-hmm. You've spoken like my mom. People it's, need Jesus, but that's the truth. It's 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 a truth that you know people that we believe. Love. Yeah, because if you if you uh, it's synonymous with that. That when you say Jesus to me, it is synonymous with love. And absolutely, and so that yeah. that is why I think that it. Yeah. It's with those. And you know, saying. the sad thing uh, is that you know you won't be able to reach everybody. Um, you know, you only be able to touch a few lives at a time. You know, but, but it's rewarding. Yes, it's very rewarding. Um, 
when the students go off to college and then they, you know, a year out, they, you get a, a, a request um, oh, yeah. from LinkedIn or, <laughs> you know, they're working at this one place and Hey, Miss Harry, you know, so uh, those are rewarding um, moments and it makes it all worth it. But, but it, families, Oh my God, fam- our families need, they really need intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, they need love. They need direction support. And from all angles. Mm-hmm. And do you think um, in the school district, do you think school district is across the nation right now? Do you think that the education, that education has been slighted? Do you think education has been, um, you know, not invested into the way that it should has so that that support that you're talking about can come with, you know, the heavy weight to make that impact in that child's life, that family's life? Gosh, I have so many thoughts about education now. Like I said, uh, being in this pandemic, you know, and and having to pause in life, um, it, it it made all of us, if you're really paying attention, made all of us really understand what um, what's efficient, uh, what's uh, essential. Mm-hmm. And even when I look at education, there's some things about education that I realize are not as essential as we make them out to be like we I think overall I've realized that we've created a lot of the things that we say we need we've created those needs and Mm -hmm. and even in education um I think that um we education could could use a um we could modify education what it looks like Mm -hmm. um I think that we need to speak to and this may have something to do with the fact that I'm a Christian but I think that we need to educate and develop students um holistically mm-hmm. and um and that's why i i'm in the counseling program because there's so many other parts of these students these children that need to be developed and nurtured and supported and that's because i when you say educated holistically um the traditional sense of education education meant here's a lesson Mm-hmm. memorize this lesson so you can ace that test on these mm-hmm. various subjects mm-hmm. and the various subjects usually were the same seven subjects mm-hmm. <laughs> the core being math reading science but as we know now and research shows that there's more to life than learning mm-hmm. learning subjects. yes um, you know and and that's why i think in california um more specifically we are pushing um college and career readiness yeah. Well, that has more to do with, um, it doesn't have uh, all to do with just learning curriculum. It, it, it's the whole, the whole, the whole picture. Mm-hmm. It involves maturity, developmental maturity. Um, uh, and so I think that in education, I think that we miss that piece a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and we're very rigid and, you know, when it comes to learning, yeah. um, I think that what we teach children and what children need to learn, I think we can, we, we can look at that. And, um, I think we're, we have to come to grips with the fact that we, we need to invest more in, uh, in the students on an emotional level, mm-hmm. um, social, emotional level. Cause you see, you know, a lot of, um, uh, issues with mental health and yeah so our students are just not well balanced Mm -hmm. as well balanced as they can be I say I should say do you think they have um do you think children have 
the not only the resources, but do you think children have that influence or the correct leadership uh, to to influence them to uh, continue in the development of how their children are invested in? Because you have high school students now that are going to, you know, the cycle continues. The high school students will graduate and they'll be the ones looked to to continue on this holistic development approach to a child. Do you think that children are being influenced to continue that work now? Or do you think that there's some, uh, there are too many influences <laughs> bombarding them? Uh, like, because I feel like, let me, let me pre- preface it like this. I feel like when I was growing up, I was funneled. Like my, uh, what I was being influenced with was was funneled where it was, you have a vision of graduation and what you're supposed to do after this. You're kind of supposed to think about this, have your opinions, but channel them appropriately. Now it's like, there's all these different outlets, all these different influences while the child is growing. And so these approaches may be overwhelmingly different now for these children that are now, you know, passing through high school and leaving? Um, well, I think that there are um, a lot of outside influences. Yes, you have uh, um, social media platforms that influence the child, you know, the mind, not just children, uh, the mind of adults as well. Yeah. But you have that. And then... Um, and then it's demographically speaking, you look at California where people come to, you know, make their dreams come true. Mm-hmm. So you have the entertainment industry. Um, that's another influence. Uh, so, yeah, there's, you know, outside influences. Um, but as far as like the, in education and, and the way in that setting, the mm-hmm. school setting, I think it's still pretty a, a pretty... Uh, the process is still funneling, you mm-hmm. know, we kind of, you know, we have these guide rails and we kind of, you know, direct the students to where they should be going. The, where bumper, we the bumper rails. Yeah. I think that still goes on, but the, the, the generations that are coming up though, they are thinkers. They mm-hmm. are independent thinkers. Um, so even with that going on in education, you yeah. still have students who are innovative um, they just have a different mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they think outside the box. And so, uh, even with all of, <laughs> you, you just know. reminded me of, uh, something that Jacoby had said. He was like, everybody's thinking outside the box now. Time for me to get back in. <laughs> <laughs> now it's kind of like his, and he's in that younger group. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the spearheader of that younger group of thinkers, mm-hmm. uh, I say, but you know, it's it's tough. I feel like it's tough too um, when you're in education at this time because, like you said, anybody in education right now is struggling to cope with distance learning, mm-hmm. struggling to cope with the way in which we connect is so different, and how we're connecting is taking a hit. Right. And and like I said before, what you are connecting is also mm-hmm. gonna you know is taking a hit too because yeah. when when you think of like I said, I go back to initially when we, the, 
every everything was closed down and you had that moment that time really it was a time of silence yeah a time to just really listen mm -hmm. um to tap into you know you, who you are and where you are mm -hmm. i think that we will come out of this and we will look at education a, a little bit differently yeah i think we, we already are looking at things because you know you just have i mean i think to go back into something after this moment in time to go back into something with the, the same, same mindset right the same approach it's like you missed it you missed mm -hmm. the point <laughs> you, you missed the opportunity yeah. this is a really an opportunity for us to to, to grow mm -hmm. um and to and it's a, a good time for us to transition into those changes that you know people were considering um for example with with education and and, and school the way uh you know research has shown for many years that uh students learning at seven o'clock in the morning is is really rough and it's hard and 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 I'm why did they do that <laughs> i have no idea but so we start school our district we start school at 8 30 now okay you know, on the distance doing the distance learning and i was uh on a group in a group with some teachers and they were discussing you know when we go back in the spring do you think we're gonna you know how you think things are tentatively gonna... right but even <laughs> in the but, spring <laughs> but whenever we go back yeah like whenever we go back to the classrooms they the, in the discussion they were saying that even when we go back uh, going forward, school is not going to start before eight thirty, and they made it a law now. So, um, I mean, I think that I think you get the best out of everybody at that point. Mm -hmm, absolutely, you know, you have you give teachers the time not only to wake up <laughs> and mm -hmm. do their routines that are necessary so that they can impact the lives of children holistically, like you said. Um, you got to have the energy to do that. You got to have that you know what let me go back because i do you know looking at things from a different perspective holistically if 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 it's possible right i think we really really need to um give our teachers the the respect and the the and we need to compensate them for the work that they do and for the work that we expect them to do um, because that's you know a lot of people will say i i didn't get into this to 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 counsel and to, or you know to minister or whatever mm -hmm. however they look at it to students i came in to teach this subject and that's what i signed up for right but um if we can all have just a little bit of empathy we have to realize and understand that it's going to take just more than teaching a subject to teach these students because at the end of the day we don't i mean we shouldn't just want them to pass a class Right. We want them to be successful and, and, and not just in the classroom. And not that measurement outside. of success yeah. that by is test scores. Test scores, yeah. I get to tell the students this is one of the things that I love to do. They come in and they're, you know, a little disappointed by uh about the, the SAT score and mm -hmm. the ACT score. Some even to tears. And I get to tell them I just love these moments. I get to tell them you are not your test score. Mm -hmm. You know, you are more than your test score because that, you know That's huge. Mm -hmm. Because I I I very rarely visited the college and career center when I was in high school, but to have th that that's that's intentional remark to say you are not your test scores, mm -hmm. um, that goes a long way with a with a student because um, you know you have teachers encouraging you to you know get good grades on this on this test, 
Um, and if you don't, some teachers will go the lengths to say, you're going to be sorry if you don't get a grade on, good grade on this test. And it's like, oh, the, the, what that does on the psyche. So I think you have to be careful in how you encourage. Yes, we want the students to get good grades, but it's important that you're not uh, hindering that psychological view that they have on themselves because like, they, they can play a game with themselves like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're one of those students like me. I was like, I need A's to reach perfection. And that was like my goal that I strive for. Mm-hmm. Which was, but I mean, with all the changes that have happened in, in COVID, of course, we're grounded about a crazy time where we're hoping that education can see some some changes that will be substantial and help, you know, impact our kids in the best way. Children, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but roundabout election time the the craziness and the madness surrounding this entire we're a whole reality show is what has happened now america has <laughs> turned into a reality show and everybody's watching with popcorn mm, like what's gonna happen and that's so sad <laughs> yeah and how have you been um handling all the things that have come sur- uh, and we're now reaching this point where it's like the last stretch how are you feeling in this moment where we're needing change so badly and not knowing which direction it's going to go? Wow. Um, you know, I I am really, really um, anxious, I guess, to a certain degree to, to really see what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Because I truly feel like this is a moment um, where he is going to introduce himself or you know, there's got, at some point, I'm just looking for a turning point that will impact everybody. Like, right. like right now, some of us are feeling the impact of, um, the racial tension, not everybody, right? you know, and some of us are feeling the impact of the economy, the, the hit that the economy is taking. You know, you have people who have been furloughed, people who have lost their jobs. And, um, I, I, have a lot of students who are working right now because you know to come well with we're thinking that they're working to compensate income so everybody's impacted on some level mm-hmm. people are losing loved ones you know um to, you know to covid right now and to other causes so you got there's so much going on and people are being impacted in different ways right um by different measures, but I, I am truly just like looking to God to just say something, mm-hmm. to do something that in such a way that everybody's going to be impacted. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going to turn to him, look to him, you know? So that's what I'm, cause it's like, this is just ridiculous. It's, it's hard to, um, because I know, I know with all that's happening, everybody's looking for some type of change. Mm -hmm. And even if you are a a Republican or Trump supporter, everybody is looking for some type of change in their, in their own lives and in what they're seeing in the country. Um, And I think another change I want, I'm curious to know if people are ready for is a woman in leadership to that magnitude. Um, Senator Kamala Harris being on the ballot and standing a good chance to, you know, be a leader of this nation. Do you think that this, how do you feel about women in leadership? 
And do you think that um, change can happen with someone like Senator Kamala Harris? Um, yes, but let me go back to this because I think what people, what we fail to acknowledge is that women are already in leadership. Mm. Um, and what we're looking for as a country, I think, um, the people, as they like to refer to what the people wants, I think is for leadership to reflect, um, the diversity that's already happening, that has already, the, the changes that have already happened yeah. because you see women leading every day yeah. in, 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 in local everywhere. communities yeah. and state. Yes. You know. We have women, we have women pastors. We have women, women are leading. We're yeah. already leading. So yeah. as far as like people saying, are, are we ready for a woman president or whatever like women are already leading so let's not let's not you know act brand new about that right. women are already leading it's it's what we're up against now is are we ready for them to take the leading role but women are already in leadership so that's not new mm-hmm. and so um i think we are um because if if we say we're ready for change and not everybody is ready for change i get that but i think we are mm-hmm. because um you know, they, you know, they used to say behind every good man is a good woman, but I prefer to say beside every good man. Right. Right. And on many occasions in front of a every good man is a good woman. Mm-hmm. So I think we, you know, uh, we should, we shortchange ourselves. I think that we don't give ourselves credit. We are ready. Mm. We are ready. Uh, again, not everybody, but I think overall, um, we're ready. Yeah, because women are le- women are leading states. Yeah, um, they're they're in government. They're um, they're in the Senate. They're you know so yeah. Um, Some of th- most a lot of people will say women. Uh, you know, this is to each its own. But a lot of women would say that they they lead their families. Exactly. So it's like from that from that route. I I think that when. We talk about women and I mean, personally, how were you excited? How did you feel when you saw that Senator Harris, first of all, was running for president because we go back, she was running for president Mm -hmm. and then she didn't win that primary, but she was elected to be on the ticket to serve as vice president alongside of Joe Biden. And how did you feel when she was in, when she was, inducted into that <laughs> into that category like she gave her speech of acceptance for, and, vice, for vice presidency and how did you feel as a woman i i mean i didn't feel to, for me it wasn't like this oh wow we've come a long way like i said because i i feel like we we're already there yeah like you know it, i mean it was a good thing even her being a woman of color um after I get maybe after having President Obama, that part of it, the taboo feel that you yeah. get, like <gasps> I think if if we hadn't had uh, a pre- President Obama, it may have had a bigger impact. Her being a woman of color, but I don't know. I guess maybe it's because of the climate in the country right now. It's it's almost like it's like about time, you know? Right? You That's don't. The, I think like representation is everything, and um to be in this position in this place where you're like just now seeing a woman of color Mm -hmm. uh, be on this type of 
ballot mm -hmm. in this magnitude, it's like, like you said, about time. You've got a lot of white men mm -hmm. in powerful roles and it took forever to get the black man, <laughs> a person and, of color. Up and there. if we're honest too, too, I think that's one of the reasons why we can say we're not ready. America's not ready. It's not because everybody else is not ready. It's because there's a certain population um, that's not ready. And mm -hmm. and that population include all men <laughs> as right. well as especially white men. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think that's why Hillary, it's not that people hated Hillary that much or that she was that bad. It's, I mean, she was the most qualified. Right. Even President Obama said that she was more qualified yeah. um, than he was. So it, he I being don't, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, no, President Obama said she was more qualified than he was. Oh, okay, you know? got it. But got it, got it. Um, I just think that it was it had more to do with her being a woman. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion mm -hmm. than it did with her being such a horrible person. Because um, some of us, not all of us, some of us are very we're we're forgiving at the end of the day. You know, we we'll, yeah. you know we're I think especially black people we're very forgiving people culturally speaking. Um, so I just think that it it was mostly because she was a woman. Um, so now we're we're over that, right? We should be over that. And she's yeah. not, you know, she ran for president. Kamala, I'm speaking of, she ran for president, um, but now she's vice. So she's not really going to be, you know, the head person. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like a, um, okay, we we'll compromise with that. We'll, that's yeah. okay. Um, but we can do that, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's crazy. But I mean. Like you said, ready or not, it's about to happen one way or another. And a change is definitely mm -hmm. necessary to come. And we're just going to pray to God and cross our fingers and mm -hmm. do all that we need to do and to I be ready. I do want to also point out that I am not so... I, I still embrace femininity. Mm -hmm. I I still embrace the woman, the role of the woman, mm -hmm. um, who, who we are. And, and I, you know, I think I can do both. I can also celebrate our achievements and our place in society. You right, know, but and also embrace the role of a woman. I don't want to lose that. Um, yeah, you know, being so pro. Yes, you know. Yeah, that's um, key. That's mm -hmm. definitely key for that balance. Well, we'll be right back, you guys. We got some more with my mother in just a quick second. Don't go anywhere. More with Michelle when we get back from this break. Your vote matters. My vote matters. Our vote matters. To register to vote, visit whenweallvote.org. Okay, folks, we're back with my mother. Um, and in the spirit of everything nurturing, because you are the <laughs> queen nurture, um, I... I know your story. Um, married at what, 21? Yes. Married at 21. All children, five of them, had by 26. 28, I think. <laughs> 26 or 28. Um, working mom, um, you know, and all this, you were first lady as well, balancing that hat. 
putting that on and then balancing wife too. You've had a lot of different roles, mm-hmm. a lot of different roles. A lot of hats. Um, what, was the, what was the game changer for you um, in getting it down packed? Like, what was the game changer for you to just be like, this is me <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, embrace all that I am and uh, do it with the grace that you've done it with. Like, what just clicked for you? Hmm. That's an interesting question. You know, it's funny that, um, well, it's not funny. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) Michelle Obama, bless her heart, uh, model, model first lady. Um, She, you know, her, she wrote her book, Becoming. And for many, many years, I have been wanting to write my own book. And truly, truly, I, what I wanted to write was in essence, really what she wrote about was becoming, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like all my life I have be, been evolving. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if there's one moment that just, um, was a game changer, um, for me. I mean, there are different times. I remember uh, one one time in, uh, in my life when my husband was pastoring a church in San Diego. And um, I don't know what I was going through at the time, but I, I just remember it was at that time I was there and I realized that I didn't know who I was. Mm. Um, I just, you know, I was always Mike's wife, you know, always the kid's mother, you know, and I was like, but outside of that, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I, and that's when I realized I had, I had lost myself in everything that I was doing at the time, being wife, mother, and these are not bad reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. these are all good reasons uh, if you're going to lose yourself. But uh, I just realized that I had been um, going along with life and, mm-hmm. and, and life was just happening. I had no goals. Um, never had, never was a goal setter. I had just been living and, mm-hmm. and, and adjusting to every transition, every life transition that happened. Um, but at that moment, um, somewhere in the middle of him pastoring, we were there five years and somewhere in the middle, I realized I didn't know who I was. And so, like I said, I would have, I was trying to really figure out what I wanted to write my book on because I said, my life is not really interesting. Like, what do I have? You know, people want that for the most part, you need to have a problem and, 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 and people want to understand and know how you solved it, how you fixed it or how Mm -hmm. you, you know? And so that's why, uh, one of the reasons why Michelle Obama's book was so, because nobody would ever think that what she's becoming, you know, she, but Mm -hmm. then you are uh, first lady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But at that, I mean, her story. Could you is, relate? Could you relate? So you could relate to a lot of what absolutely. she had to say. Like every, like yes, that could have been easily could have been the the title of my book, right? Becoming. But I'm not Michelle Obama. <laughs> I'm Michelle <laughs> Herring. Hey. So like, what's so what's so significant about you becoming? You know what I mean? Right. So that I mean, that's the realist in her, because I think we all could say Michelle Herring, you're it. Like, what are you talking about? You're it too. I but. In the in kind, (laughs) look, guys, I'm trying to make sure she pays for my lunch later. No, I'm playing, (laughs) but I, in in the context of what we're saying, is like Michelle Obama definitely had that influence, and she is who she is. We all know that, and on the level to which she has 
been around this world and made her, you know, her journey known. And you know, the impact that her book had on a lot of women all over the world is because no one would ever have believed that that was her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what I would would will I'm gonna say will will uh, hope to have accomplished after I do my own book that nobody um, will have believed my story like what you know and her story um, even being who the great woman she is her story connected with so many women yeah um, you know on every level so and that's why. Um, I want, when I write my book, I want to have the same kind of connection. I want somebody or, you know, to not, I definitely won't have the same impact, but I mean, you, know, <laughs> you never know, but you do want to connect, um, with, with, with people, with your story. Mm-hmm. But, um, going back to that moment that I realized I had lost myself and I was like, you know, so what are you going to do about this? So I, I, I wanted to tap back into the uh the woman you know the womanhood um i realized that i had i didn't have many friends um because you know being a first lady you, it's hard to make friendships to have like you know very mm-hmm. very intimate relationships because you you have to you know you just do you stand on comes- guard at all as first lady do you what do you stand on guard at all as first lady on guard by on guard you mean i mean I know just knowing your personality and the reservation that you have, because a lot of what you do is, um, I don't want to say calculated because I know you're genuine, but a lot of what you do is thought out mm-hmm. um, thoroughly. <laughs> That's, I think that has a lot to do with my and, personality. Right. And but, so do you think that that contributes to the hat of first lady in a sense that's beneficial? Yes, because you are guarded. Mm-hmm. Um you, yeah, you're very guarded. You you understand being the pastor's uh, PK that you live in a fishbowl. Yeah. Um, one of the things with my husband, he's very transparent. And so um, there's a lot about us, our family, that people knew because mm-hmm. he's so transparent. Um, even we're already in the fishbowl. So people are watching everything mm-hmm. we do. And in addition to that, he has to go and also, you know, make the water look colorful. Yeah, just, he kept it crystal clear, right? So, um, so you do, you are guarded in the sense that the things that I could guard, I, I did. Um, I, you know, tried to stay as private as possible in some mm-hmm. areas. You also guard, um, you guard against, um, re, you know, relationships because you don't know who you can trust. Um, and also at the same time, people are confiding in you. So you have to have a level of, um, you, you have to show that you can, you know, um, guard confidentiality. Um, it, it's now that I'm talking about, it, it's a very, um, it's a task. Yeah. Um, but I will say that God gives you grace. God has given me grace. All the grace, He's like I told y'all, grace. graceful <laughs> to to manage um, all those uh, the hats that I wear, still wear. Um, He's given me grace to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you th- um do you see like if you could tell yourself anything, the twenty six year old you, twenty eight year old you rather twenty six, 
20s you. <laughs> if you could tell her anything, um, what would you tell her now? <laughs> it's funny that you ask me that because I I have this thing about that. <laughs> oh, geez. I, I, let me just share my thought on it. I said, why do we ask those questions and, and cause people to go back to talk to the 20 year old self or the 18 year old self? Because she can't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, that is, I, you know, for me, I, I, and I, because I don't, I won't call it nonchalant, but my, you know, me, my, um, my way about life is kind of weird. Um, but it's also very just, um, when I'm in my normal state, <laughs> I'm very just relaxed about it. And it kind of just, I go where the wind takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a great thing or a bad thing, but for me, I'm always like putting on notice. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, I can't. And it's funny that you say that in response to that question, because a lot of people will say, take that question and say, I would tell myself, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, and that there are all these beautiful messages. But I think that it's, 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 it's not fair because you have, I have experienced, I'm, you know, I have so many years of experience. And for me to go back and tell my 20 year old self, becoming in that where you're growing, evolving, reinventing who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's perfect, perfect title. Um, I, she stole my title. <laughs> she tell Michelle about it. She she stole it, and and so we are in positions to influence, and we all are in in positions to impact. What message would you give to those um those prominent influencers right now um, about their their role in other people's life? Because like you said, first lady is kind of a task and a lot of women look to you for a lot of different things. Um, in the day and age of influence, <laughs> what would you, what messages would you give someone like the good old Cardi B or, or you know, women of? You know, um, it's been a couple of years ago now and I had the privilege to to do a, like a prayer conference conference call um Mm -hmm. where you you kind of have a subject and you speak you have a short period of time to just address uh, a topic of your choice and my topic was mind your influence Mm -hmm. because we 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 know what it is when you say mind your business right you mind your business tend to things that belong to you and not anybody else well i feel the same way about your influence mind your influence what the people in your circles, the people in your paths that God have placed in your path, um, the people that God has given you opportunity to influence or impact, mind those influences, pay attention Mm -hmm. um, to what you're saying, what you're doing, how you're saying it, how you're doing it, because people are watching you and it matters. I am one who believes that no, none of us, like, you know, there's so many people with the mindset that, um, I can do what I want to do. It's my business. I don't have to, you know, I do what I want to do. It doesn't affect you, whatever. But that is so not true. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do impacts somebody because right. we are, uh, God put us on this earth. Um, and we, we all have a role in, um, our families and yeah. our communities. And so the things that we do, they do matter and they do affect other people. And so you have to be conscious about that is a responsibility mm-hmm. and it's also it sh- should be a an honor you know when you have an opportunity to influence people in some kind of 
positive way. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I say again, mind your influence. Um, The people, the women that are in your lives, the young women, the children, Mm -hmm. even the men. I mean, we, we, as women, we can influence men, the men in our lives as well. Mind your influence, whatever it is that God has, uh, wherever it is that God has placed you. Right. Um, Pay attention, look around and see and ask God, what is it that I should be doing or saying um, in this moment, in this season, mm-hmm. in this place, in the space that you have given me? Yeah. Um, my, so mind your influence. That that would be my, my message. And that's a word, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, it is so good to sit down and talk to you. I know we talk for hours usually on a day-to-day basis, but I'm, I'm happy that I was able to sit down and do this with you and address some things that I know are important to the both of us as I get to grow up and see what I value most and, you know, you all right, Beth. You all right. It has been a pleasure, my love. <laughs> you guys, uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for sitting um, and listening. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I hope that you'll return and visit us again. We'll be back here on The Bridge IE next Wednesday with somebody somewhere <laughs> with something to say. All right. You guys take care and have a blessed one.